Peace, love, knowledge, and freedom. Welcome to another exciting episode of Just Ain't Motherfucking Podcast. And today, as you've seen from the title, we're going to be talking about Kundalini. Um, I don't think I've ever spoken about the Kundalini energy before. Uh, and, you know, I've been in my woke bag a little bit, a lot of bit lately. So um, I kind of want to keep that energy and keep going with that. And um, the conversation really came about because... Um, I forgot what the hell I was watching, but whatever I was watching, looking at, I was like, yo, I ain't talked about the Kundalini. This really was that simple. It was like, um, I think I talked about it like when I did the podcast, when I, when I was on YouTube and shit, but that shit was fucking 2018 or some shit. So like four years ago or some shit like that. But either way, it's like, I want to kind of touch up on it because, um, we're in the age of Aquarius as always, but then it's like, I'm looking at, um, a lot of people talk about the energy, you know, some people misconfusing it. Some people, you know, speaking one way of it, but it's like, it's a full totality of things. And you know me, I like to dive down <laughs> the spiritual, the mental and the physical aspects of a thing, how you can see it in a physical form, how you can see it in a spiritual form, even in the mental form and how it all ties together. And, um, the kundalini energy is like it's so it's so overly spoken about but it's misunderstood largely in many ways like and i'm saying that on the strength that when i you know when i hear people talking about the kundalini energy they're like um i've heard some some random shit i've heard that it's you know your semen energy because you know when you talk about semen retention they tie it to that shit and the different you know, it's like the same shit from the brain and this, then the third. It's like, it's a lot of different layers to it that have merit, but aren't necessarily accurate. You feel me? And I'm saying on the strength that I noticed a lot of people say certain things in the heat of the moment where they don't really study. And no funny shit, but it's like, I know they don't study because I studied the shit that they talking about. I'm like, oh, you got to go a little bit deeper to get a little bit more clarity in it. So, um... So yeah, when it comes to Kundalini energy, I kind of just want to talk about that. That's what it was. It was in my explore page and shit. And a motherfucker was like that the sperm develops into the neural system. And I was like, nigga, no, it don't. The fuck? But they had a whole slew of people in there talking about teach, drop that knowledge. That's not knowledge. It's ignorance. That's stupid as fuck. Who the fuck made like, it's like, do y'all not know embryology? Do y'all not know how the actual neural um, tube develops? into the brain, the neural crest and all that other shit. And it's like, it's a whole embryonic situation that plays itself out. And it's like, motherfuckers don't really be knowing what they talking about. So I kind of want to, you know, touch on it. And considering the last episode being on numerology, I've been in that space and shit. So I just like, I don't know. I just feel back on an esoteric vibe and shit. And I kind of want to dive back into that. Like I love being in that space again. And I'm kind of back in that space as far as just life goes as a whole. So yeah, I really want to talk about that. Um, yeah, it's Kundalini is a powerful thing. Like, I think people don't realize the power of Kundalini connects with your chakra energy. They don't realize it connects with your environment, the colors you wear, the sounds you listen to on a regular basis. Like, if people could actually spend more time in nature away from the city, away from sounds, away from loud noises on a regular basis and really get to where they're able to to dilute the outside noise. Their kundalini can surge and move freely and shit. 
but a lot of people's kundalini lies dormant within their root chakra energy space and it just doesn't maneuver correctly right but the kundalini energy has a powerful um powerful piece to it powerful connecting piece to it because it can enhance certain things it can enhance your um consciousness your real consciousness not this woke shit about just studying history and shit no your actual divine consciousness where you can tap into the source where you can move into the ethers where you can start downloading things you hear me say it all the time downloads or unlock it's like <clears throat> this is how these are the ways in which you get into your akashic records and shit too I think I got an episode on Akashic Records before, but it kind of ties into this because your Kundalini energy is a mental control that allows you. It's the same mental control that you need to access your Akashic Records. Let me say that. So it's like when I talk to people, it's like if you're not able to control your Kundalini energy, there's no way that you can access your Akashic Records. If you can't access your Akashic Records, you can't see what you've done in your past lives and see how those past lives are going to play out in this one. But before we dive heavy into that, be sure to follow me on Instagram at underscore just underscore seen underscore. Be sure to check out my website at IamJustSeen.com to get all things that are just seen. To all those who tip, donate, and sponsor the podcast, you are greatly appreciated. To all those who would like to tip, donate, and sponsor the podcast, you can do so by clicking the link in the description of the podcast. Not this episode, but the podcast itself. And as always, Cash App and PayPal are just fine. And that's that for this and that's this for that. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to dive into Kundalini. Ooh, we're going to dive into Kundalini awakening the serpent. And don't forget to visit IamJustSeen.com. There you can get all things Just Seen. You want to add a Soul for L series to your library? Visit IamJustSeen.com. You want to learn how to master the markets for serious trading and investing? Visit IamJustSeen.com. You want to get your hands on some exclusive merch like tees, hoodies, coffee mugs, hats, bags? Visit IamJustSeen.com. Are you thinking about transitioning into the plant-based lifestyle? Visit IamJustSeen.com. You ever want to just chat with Seen about anything from simple advice to mentorship? Visit IamJustSeen.com. Anything and everything that is me, you can find at IamJustSeen.com. So take a quick peek into my world to see why being just seen is nothing less but always more. Because you never really know what you need until you see it. And you will never see it unless you visit IamJustSeen.com. All right. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome book, book, back. And I like how I ended that intro where I was talking about... um you know, awakening the serpent, like, and that's the title of a Kundalini awakening the serpent. Um, the reason why I like that is because it kind of segues into everything. Like, when we look at biblical shit, like this, the the the, the importance of the Kundalini energy is written everywhere. It's written everywhere. It's written every religious text. It's written. It's written everywhere. But it's because it's layered in a way in which motherfuckers think shit be real. They don't really get it. Like, for example, <laughs> they're like, "Yo, Eve." bit the apple, gave it to Adam, and she got seduced, whatever, by talking snake. Like, niggas, snakes ain't ever talk, but it's weird shit because nobody is teaching the metaphor or the allegory behind what it is that that the snake spoke to Eve, right? Because when you know the layers of what Adam and Eve represented, the Adam and Eve, their story low-key represents nuclear fission, right? The nuclear fission of the atom splitting. You feel me? That's why Eve came from his rib, which was his side. You know, you go back to the context of the uh, context of what the Hebrews, when they were trying to write this stuff, when they were explaining it, it's what they meant. 
wasn't the rib. The rib eventually became what it was once the English people and they had the council that I see. And once they started breaking that shit down there, that's when it became the rib. But it was originally the side. And because it was a side, it was um, basically expression nuclear fission, you know, atoms splitting, splitting into. And then, of course, you're getting Eve. Now, when an atom splits into, you have first the whole the whole atom is surrounded by atom is surrounded by electron cloud that represents Eve. The atom atom is the proton or whatever the case may be. And then you have the child which represents the nucleus, the nuclear part of it. You know, they tell you all the time you have a nuclear family, the family that makes sense, masculine and feminine, ah, all of that other goofy shit that ain't really so goofy, but I don't want to spend too much time on that because I got to set this on the tone so I can get to the Kundalini. So Adam and Eve represent the dual, the dual nature of starting with the atom, that metaphor, then taking it deeper into the actual atom and physics and then masculine and feminine, the duality of the singularity that had, you know, been what it was supposed to be. So when we look at... um story adam and shit and i'm only laughing at the chuckle because of like adam and eve were the first people but then somehow they had a kid who was able to go off and get married to motherfuckers who was here it's different the motherfuckers like well you don't know if adam had other kids yes we do because it was right <laughs> whatever what the fuck ever bro but look <laughs> so eve being spoken to by the kundalini energy was her um was the representative of the feminine essence masculine adam of course represents the masculine right but the serpent itself was kundalini energy, right? And the fruit that he seduced Eve into eating was the fruit of knowledge. And that's why they had to change the book so many different times because it was supposedly, it went from the tree of knowledge, you don't eat of the tree of knowledge, to you don't eat of the tree of good and evil. And then he was like, yo, you don't want you to eat of that shit because you're going to be like him. God consciousness, that's what the whole reality of it was. Humans came back down. If you study the tree of life, Kether is the top, which represents the deity of God. You have up there, you have Ra, you have God, you have Zeus, you have Allah, you have all of the top guys. And then down at the bottom, which is Malkuth, you have their messenger, Heru, um, Jesus, um, Yahshua, uh, Muhammad. They all represent that part. And then everything in between is the intercessors as far as how you get back to the tree of life or whatever. This is important because it's going to set the tone for the Kundalini or whatever. So the serpent that pretty much came and tempted Eve, he slithered his way up into like how he got there. It's crazy. But <laughs> my bad, y'all. It's funny because it's trying, I'm trying to, I'm trying to stay serious and shit, but it's like, this shit is, it's crazy how people believe that shit is real. I used to believe the shit was real until I understood the allegory that it represented. You feel me? So. Anywho, let me get back on track. So we're looking at how the serpent, you know, tempted Eve, eat the fruit, eat the fruit or whatever the case may be. Everybody thinks it's an apple. It's really, like I said, the metaphor for the fruit of knowledge. So once they ate it, that's when they became knowing of, you know, themselves. They became conscious, right? So your kundalini energy, the first surge that you have when you have your kundalini energy is supposed to make you aware of you. Before you can be aware of the world, before you can be, you have to be aware of yourself. Adam and Eve were not conscious. They were living beings. They were sentient beings, right? But they had not become conscious yet, right? Nobody addresses that part. That's what made them look at themselves and says, motherfucker, I'm naked. But it wasn't so much as naked because they were already naked. And people try to go through the, oh, that means that they was ashamed because they had fouled God and they went against what God said. And blah, blah. No, no, no. 
when they became, when they realized that they were naked, that means their consciousness had actualized that they were two separate entities. They weren't just beings anymore. Like they weren't just inert matter. Now, when you go back and you understand esoteric magic and you understand the four elements, earth, water, fire, air, right? From the basic level, earth is inert matter, right? Kundalini energy, earth represents the root shock and Kundalini energy has to pass through that space. So at that level, they were just earth. That's why it was from the earth. The man came or whatever the case may be. Before they even ate of the fruit, they was made of the, the, the earth. Right. They got the breath of life. They got everything. But they had not been invigorated yet to where their consciousness was activated. And that was the reminiscent metaphor of or the allegory of what we see today, where people can be completely oblivious to themselves. But aware of following following everything on the outside, they have not become self-aware because they have not had the exposure to themselves. So that's what that represented when they ate of the fruit or whatever the case may be. They were tempted by the snake. That snake, what it did was, in the first point on the physical level of the the mythological level <clears throat> of the religious text, you had Eve being the representation of, of course, the woman, Matt, uh, Adam being the representation of the man. So when they came out and they became aware that they were naked, that's when they went and clothed themselves. But the real understanding of that is that they became conscious of who they were. So imagine how long they lived unaware of themselves. Because think about it, right after that, that's when Eve was able to conceive and have children. That's when she decided to have children. She had Cain and Abel. They had been living this earth for all of this time, completely unaware of who they were. You feel what I'm saying? Their kundalini energy, it woke them up. So now when I express from the allegorical perspective, you have the kundalini, the awakening, the feminine in you, and they awaken the masculine in you in the initial point when those two things come together to realize themselves. And then you realize there's a distinction between them. Your Kundalini energy is responsible for waking that up. You feel me? So when I tell people men have the predisposition for masculinity, women have the predisposition for femininity, but we both have, we have that in us. That's the self-awareness that you have to come to terms with before you're oblivious to it. You don't even like, Kundalini energy is so shut down and people are saying that gender is a social construct. It's not real. Like just fuck all of the rules of nature, fuck all of the, the laws of nature. And they say that's a man-made thing. No, men express the reflection of what they became conscious about. That wasn't a man-made construct. That may be a man-made explanation, but it ain't a man-made construct. Right. We can't like just because motherfuckers want to be all androgynous and shit. You can't really you feel me? Because like now they're talking about, oh, this is your type of gender or whatever, your sexual orientation. That shit is really just personality traits and motherfuckers tying it to fucking people with it. Like it's weird. I don't. Let me stay the course. Stay on, on topic. So anywho. So that Kundalini energy, it awoke. It woke them up. And when it woke them up, they became like God. Even the devil said it. When he was the when he was the serpent or whatever, he said he doesn't want you to eat of this fruit because you will be like him. Now, here's a question that you got to ask yourself: If you're really just considering it off the basic level, if you're creating the image of a likeness of a being, why would it not want you to be in the image and likeness of it? Think about that. Like it's written right there that it doesn't want you to do it. You dig what I mean? So you have to start wondering what is the real meaning behind all of that, right? Because even in that moment, 
when the, 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 the Kundalini surge and it made Adam and Eve realize themselves and say, hey, I'm a woman. I'm a man. Like I have breast and a vagina and I can have babies or whatever the case may be. And the man is like, yo, I can do whatever. That self-awareness is the first aspect of when your Kundalini energy surges within you. But the thing about the Kundalini energy, it starts from the base of, it starts from the base of the body. Well, not the base of the body, the base of the spine, right? And now I'm going to show you how it equates to the physical aspect too, because if you actually study the spinal cord, not the spinal, not the vertebral column, the spinal cord, they're two different things. Your vertebral column is where your, is the bony part. The actual discs and the meniscus that sit between the shit, that is the vertebral column. But your actual nervous system that runs in between that vertebral column is your spinal cord. Now, your spinal cord, it runs exactly from your brain, and it gives you two points. You have your central nervous system, you have your peripheral nervous system, right? So, basically, it's what functions your entire consciousness and your your body. That is the first instance in where you're supposed to understand that you are self-aware by understanding that you have a nervous system. Nervous system and soul is not separate from one another. They're kind of like one and the same. Our nerve, our animated nervous system is what houses, you know, our soul makes us move and shit and all of the other good shit that we do, pop lock, you feel me, rap, all this other crazy shit. It's not really crazy, but it's derived from the Kundalini energy, right? So the first level of Kundalini energy comes from the base of the spine. Now, like I said, when you have the spinal column, that base is called the quana equata. Kana, the cauda equana, right? And it's the very, it's the, it's basically like the stringy pieces of the um, of the uh, nervous system that branch out for the uh, for the very base of what your um spinal cord is, right? So within that, you have a whole network of fibers. It's called the cauda equana because equana, you know, is representative of horses, horse hair. That's what they call it. This is, you know, what I'm saying, um. But it represents the lower chakra energy, the root chakra, right? So this is why they tell you that your root chakra sits at the base of the spine, but it sits in the pelvis, right? So basically that entire pelvis muscular area, which is where women do the Kegels from and all of that shit. And, you know, basically your prostate, that entire area is the bundle of cluster. Bundle is the plexus basically that operates the root chakra, right? So I'm going to tell you why that's important because... That is metaphorically the earth that Satan was kicked out of, was kicked down to when he got kicked out of heaven. Because you got to think about everything is about as above, so below, as within, so so without. The earth that he was kicked down to was the physical body, but it was the bowels. That's why they call it the bowels of the earth. And the root chakra represents the area. So your kundalini energy goes back there. Right. And it's on you to know how to maneuver that up. So the Kundalini energy as a, you know, you understand chakras I already did a whole episode on that. So I don't want to go back into that and dive too heavy into it because I want to stay on the Kundalini, right? But when you're in a state of survival, your Kundalini, your Kundalini energy is blocked because you have fear, right? When you are fucked up sexually, like when your feelings are not in check and you can't, and you think sex is all there is to, to do and you stay, you know, you're lustful and shit. That's when your sacral, your solar, your sacral energy, sacral plexus is blocked. And that is another bridge that the um, Kundalini energy can't pass through. Personal identity, that's your third chakra. When that's blocked, Kundalini can't pass through that. So basically, the energy cannot move from the base of the spine back up to the crown, which is the top of your brain. So you have a connection with this energy. 
right? Where it's nervous energy. Not like you're nervous and you're jittery, but it's a part of the nervous system. The purpose of Kundalini energy and the purpose of controlling the energy is to consolidate it and bring it back in and take it back to the source. Because you have what are called, and I'm a, like I said, I got to make it back to the science. You have what are called afferent and efferent um, nerves or well, nerve fibers, basically, or pathways. I'm not going to say fibers, pathways. You have afferent and efferent pathways, which are pathways that take the um, this, the nerve signals from the brain down to the peripheral part of the body and then take it back from the peripheral part of the body up to the brain. So they move so fast. And this is how this is how quick the consciousness is. Right. The moment you get you burn, you, you touch something and you burn, like how fast does it register that you're in pain? That is a that is the afferent efferent complex, because if you touch a hot stove, you don't have to touch it long for your hand to automatically kick in and move back your whole arm, like all of that shit. It moves and says, I'm being I'm hurt. I'm, I'm being burned. Right. But you don't even have to register that you're being burned. Just ah, you can move. You can touch it, move before you even register that burns you feel me? You ever stubbed your toe and you step on it because you know the pain is going to happen, but you, the pain is delayed, but you know there's an instant reaction that the pain is going to come? Simply because that is a part of the awareness of the kundalini energy that is tied within the nervous system. You dig what I'm saying? So when they're teaching you and they're telling you to utilize and access your kundalini, what you're doing is, this is why meditation is what it is. And they say meditation, only two things, well, I ain't going to say two. Two things that I'm aware of that are um, that have the capacity to use every single muscle in your body, and that's reading and meditation. Because those are the only two times when you have to sit still, and sitting still is a matter of bringing movement into a consolidated space. You ever notice when you tell a kid to be still, they can't be still, but they can sit still when they're not trying to? Because the moment you have the conscious intention to be still, now you have really gave the command for all of your muscles not to move. Every muscle in your body can't move. So this is why you got to touch something. You got to pull on your ear. You got to dig in your nose. It's something that you have to do because now you're sitting still. That is the power of meditation. Meditation, as people think, is, oh, I got to clear my mind home, home. The real power of meditation, especially when you do kundalini meditation, which is I often used to call it deep meditation, but it is what it is called kundalini meditation. That is when you are meditating to a space where you are doing what's called sensory deprivation. Sensory deprivation tied with creativity. And I'm going to get to that when I get to the crown. But sensory deprivation is when you merge it with the kundalini energy is how you are able to access the Akashic records and how you are able to do what they call astral projection or how you are able to take your Kundalini energy and register it outside of your body. Right. Because what you're doing is you're, you're, you're condensing it slow. It's, it's the process is like this. First, you have to slow your body down. This is what the stillness is. You slow your body down by the breath. Right. And the reason why the breath is so important is because the breath when you breathe, they teach you to breathe, especially with Kundalini meditation, you breathe down into your diaphragm. You breathe down into your diaphragm because your diaphragm is connected to your vagus nerve. Your vagus nerve is the longest nerve in your body, and it runs from your brain. I think it's cranial nerve 10. It runs from your brain down to your diaphragm, right? So when you're controlling that, that nerve being that it's the longest, once you start controlling that nerve with your breathing, it takes the sensory deprivation. It it kicks in the sensory deprivation and it deprives all of the other senses 
which is basically the sense of touch. Now, I'm going to mention the sense of touch because they teach you that you got five senses, but you really only have one. Touch is your only sense. Everything else is a function of touch. And I, when I break it down, it'll make sense, right? People will be like, no, I got taste. I got hearing. I got the, the five senses are taste, touch, hear, sight, and smell, right? But each of these senses are activated by touching something. Something has to be touched in order for these senses to work. So there's only one sense, and that sense is touch, and I'm going to break it down. Of course, you have a sense of touch when you touch something that is a sensory feeling, right? Now, when you smell something, what has to happen? The air has to touch the receptors in your nose in order for them to trigger and say, this smells like this. This is aromatic. So now when you understand organic chemistry, this isn't something, you know, I'm going to tell you how to go study organic chemistry for that. But in organic chemistry, you have chemicals that are, that are called aromatic, aroma, aromatic. They give off scents, right? When a chemical structure binds a certain way, you have a certain smell will be given off of it. Certain things stink, certain things smell good. Certain things are potent, certain things are smooth. Like there's different vibrations and connections to how that touches your nasal palate. Because now when you look at the nasal side, when you're smelling something, it is touching and stimulating cranial nerve one, the olfactory nerve. I want to say that it's cranial nerve one because it goes from front to back. So that's like either one or two, either one or two, but it's the olfactory nerve. Right. The olfactory nerve, once that's stimulated, then it creates the perception of smell. But it's still based off of touch. Right. Then you have the sense of taste. They have taste buds until something touches your tongue. You can't taste it. But that's a simultaneous thing because it has to touch your tongue and it has to touch your nose at the same time in order for taste to happen. So taste is an amalgamation of two, quote unquote, senses coming together, but it's still the sense of touch. Because it has to touch your tongue and it has to touch your nasal palate and trigger the, what is it? The It's not the hypoglossal nerve. That's under the tongue. Um, it's not the choke. No, that's the ear. Um, it's, it's one of them nerves. I can't think of the name of them. It's like, because there's 12 cranial nerves, 30. I don't know them off the top of the head. I'm rusty. I don't know them like I used to. But anyway, you have the the... I want to say it's the hypoglossal that's responsible for, for um, taste or the lingual, the lingual nerve. That's what it is, the lingual nerve. So it's either the hypoglossal or the lingual. Both of those mean tongue. Either way, glossal means tongue, lingual means tongue. Anywho, something has to touch, right? And when that thing touches, you taste. And you have, of course, the taste buds. So now when I talk about things being aromatic and you can smell certain things, there's certain things that trigger to, to, to give you a certain taste. There's five tastes. You have sweet, sour, salty, bitter, and savory. Sweet, sour, salty, bitter, and savory. Yeah, those are the five tastes. I mentioned that in Hidden Raw Book. Um, but when those, when that chemical structure, whatever that thing is, it touches your tongue and it activates one of those, then you get the perception of taste, right? Now, again, it's still all touch. Hearing is the same thing. Hearing works because what happens is, your that what they call the eardrum, the tympanic membrane, it has to be beat by three bones, the malleus, the incus, and the stapes. In order for that to happen, the vibration of the sound wave comes in and it moves those bones and, and it generates the uh when it moves those bones, it generates the movement of the um movement onto the tympanic membrane so you can hear it. When you can't hear anymore, it's because your malleus, incus, and your state bones no longer work. 
feel me? When people get older and shit and they start needing a hearing aid, chances are those people were deprived of calcium when they were younger. And over time, you need a hearing aid by the time you're 60 because you don't have your calcium deprived. When you're calcium deprived, you're not going to beat the um the tympanic membrane, so your hearing is going to be off because it's not strong enough to beat anymore. But again, to beat the tympanic membrane, it means it has to repetitively touch it according to how the sound patterns have to play out. Again, another sense of touch. So we did, what's the last one? Sight. So now it's like, all right, well, the sense of sight, you're not touching the eye for real, for real, but you are. And this, this is why the eyes are the window to the soul, because the eyes do everything. The eyes are touched by the energy reflected off of the sun, reflected from the sun. That The eyes touch the energy that bounces off of the object that is generated from the sun. So this is why they tell you when you're looking down at the light spectrum, what happens is if you're looking at it, the color that you see is the color that the, that thing absorbs everything else that it reflects. You don't see. Right. Because it's a part of the white spectrum, or whatever the case may be. And this is this is why sensory deprivation is important. This is why paying attention to your senses and understanding the cooling energy is important, because if you ever stared at something long enough, you can feel the energy from it coming onto your eyes. Ever wonder why you look at a computer screen for a long time? Your shit starts burning because your eyes are being touched by the energy. And then you have two perspectives as to how your, your eyes are going to see. You have the um, the cones, the cones in your eyes, which are responsible for when you're in the light. And you have the rods, which are responsible for when you're in the dark. Now, I could have cones and rods backwards and one could, but one is for the light, one is for the dark. I could have them backwards. I'm pretty sure the rods are for darkness and the cones are for light. But if I am wrong, then that means that it's the other way around. The cones are for the darkness and the rods are for the light. But I really think that the rods are for the darkness, though. Because how do I remember that? It was D. The rods had D and a D for dark. And then the cones are shaped like points. Caution cones. But whatever the case may be, something has to touch right? The energy has to touch. And that's crazy because it's like, oh, how does energy touch you? You can feel energy. When somebody is standing beside you or somebody is walking up behind you, you can feel them coming before they get there. How? Because it is all about the sense of touch. You can feel energy. It just, it just vibrates at a much higher space than what people are truly conditioned to, right? So now it's like, all right, seeing you did all this shit talking. What the fuck does this have to do with the motherfucking Kundalini? As a lot to do with the motherfucking kundalini simply because when we're looking at how the kundalini is playing itself out what the kundalini is going to do is when you're meditating you're sitting still in order for your mind to calm down you have to first deprive your senses which is your sense of touch which means everything in your nervous system has to be controlled and shut down so this is why when you do the diaphragmatic breathing you center yourself and everything centers down into your solar plexus energy and your diaphragm. Once you get that calmed down, you keep doing the breathing. But now this is how the Kundalini works. You channel that nerve up. You feel me? You channel the energy of that nerve because the vagus nerve will be the only one that's operable when you're sitting still and you're breathing. So you take that vagus nerve and now you move it up and now you center and con condense all of the cranial nerves into your brain. This is why you shut down. That's why you close your eyes. The only things that are really open when you're actually meditating, you close your eyes. So your, your nose and your ears are technically the only things that are open, right? But in that, when you're centering, you're centering yourself, 
what you're doing is you're condensing your entire kundalini energy and your nervous energy into the center of your brain. This is why everything focuses in a certain way to where your thoughts are the only thing that's in your mind. Because now we have to understand when we break down the chakra energies, the highest chakra in the body is the crown chakra. Crown chakra is, is governed by the element of thought. This is why it's like everybody says, well, as soon as I start meditating and shit, I, I just start thinking my mind gets full. Duh. 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 Because you got to think about how many nerves are in the brain. You feel me? There's 12 cranial nerves or whatever the case may be. But when you start depriving the sensory, the physical sensory and stuff, you now open the spiritual sensory, the mental sensory, the mental sensory, then the spiritual sensory. Right, because it's all levels and it's all layers to it, and that's when the kundalini starts to kick in. So when your thoughts come, the first thing that's going to happen is you got to understand. I have an episode on this. There's a dual, there's a dual nature between thoughts. You know what I'm saying? Thoughts are. It's crazy because they teach you to stay in the present moment, but there are no present moment thoughts. You feel me? And what I mean by there are no present moment thoughts is that in the thought process, you have recollection. And then you have forethought, right? I, I On that episode, I had another word that I used for that. I'm drawing a blank on what I actually use to show the delineation between the thought is based on recollection, recollection and um, did I say recollection and premonition? I think that's what I use. Yeah. So the thought is divided in between recollection and premonition. So you don't have a present thought. Right. Because the present moment is when your sensory is active. When you have sensory deprived, you have now shifted the reality and gone into a different place where time doesn't exist. So now because we're not trained and we're not we're not typically taught how to use the premonition side, when we get premonitions, we like, oh, my gosh, it's so mystical and shit like that. No, it's not that it's mystical. But if you actually if you actually utilize your energy a lot better you have a lot more premonitions and premonitions are more so forethoughts into where it's like not imaginative thoughts but forethoughts to where some shit is like really in a different space that's ahead of you it is in the time pocket in front of you not the time pocket behind you that's recollection right they teach us to focus more on the time pockets behind us rather than teaching us how to use them and, and focus on the time pockets in front of us one of the greatest quotes that i just seen today at the time of this recording was um by the elder uh, Baba um Kaba Kamene. He said, spirituality, no, he said science is seen spirituality, and spirituality is unseen science. Perfect fucking example. Because now when you go into the spirituality side and you're now tapping into the unseen, you have to deprive yourself of the physical aspect. It's not mysticism, it's not hard. Like you can actually do it. I do it quite frequently. When I do my meditations and shit, like a lot of the information that I get, this is where it comes from. But I bring it back to the physical to do this necessary study so I can show you that I know what I'm talking about with what I'm doing and how it relates on all these different connecting pieces. But this is, like I said, it's tied to the kundalini energy. So when your kundalini energy is brought back up to the center of your brain and you're not operating at your crown energy area, right? Now you can operate from recollection and premonition. But premonition is easier to access and easier to um, tap into when you're able to get to that point because time is no longer a reality. You ever noticed how when you're living your life and, you know, you ain't going back and forth for nobody and shit and it's your best life and you're experiencing a, a different reality, what happens? 
you can have a deja vu moment. You're like, this happened before. No, it didn't. No, it didn't. You've caught up with a premonition. That's all. You've caught up with a premonition, which means that there was a thought already in your head for a time that you had not seen yet, but you knew was going to come based off of who you are. But this comes in with our sensory aspect of being conscious and aware of our being. A lot of us are only aware of our bodies. We're not aware of the being that's in this body making it move. And some people don't appreciate or respect it enough to say, okay, how do I access it that much more? So when you hear me talk about so frail being the spiritual, mental, and physical embodiment of the essence of analysis and deconstruction, this is more so the spiritual side that I'm talking about. Spirituality is not an a extension of religion. It's not. It's an extension of freedom, but your spirituality is why spirit denotes the breath. It is about the rhythm that brings you back into alignment to allow you to tap in. Because when we know that spirituality, spirit means the breath, the breath means the balance. And you balancing by meditating and breathing into your diaphragm, and you're now channeling and triggering that vagus nerve, and you're giving yourself the sensory deprivation to bring everything back into a single solid point at the top of your brain. Now you're at the point where you can cross over to those other levels of chakra energies. Because as I told y'all, there's 12 total chakras. You feel me? You have seven inside your body, you have five outside of your body. You feel me? But then it goes into the masculine and feminine side because you have nine chakras that are are about the masculine because that's the finite consciousness. 360 degrees makes a square. And you have the infinite consciousness, which makes the circle, which is your, um, the final the final three chakras or whatever the case may be. Now, accessing those is a matter of slowing your body down. It's slowing your, it's hard to explain, but I'm gonna try my best to do it. Getting into those points is a matter of speeding your physical up and slowing your spiritual down to where they meet at the bridge that is your mind. Let me see if I can say that again. The purpose is to speed your physical up and slow your spiritual down to the point where they converge, where the mind is the bridge that houses them both. The mind can go as fast as the soul can go. The mind can slow down as slow as the body can go, but the body and the soul are not connected without the mind. This is why in So Frail, I also mentioned that the mind is the bridge between the body and the soul, but it creates a synergy. Because the more you strengthen your body, the stronger your willpower gets. The stronger your willpower gets, the deeper your actions can be with what you do in life. You feel what I'm saying? But if that bridge of the mind is fucked up, it'll never get there because the mind has the capacity of slowing the soul down, speeding the body up to where they're in sympathetical with each other and a synergy with each other is where they're moving at the same vibration. You feel what I'm saying? So this is why I talk about sensory deprivation because... When you look at the chakras above the elements of fire, water, air, and earth, when you start getting to, um, what is it? It's air, fire, water. And then the next three is sound, light, and thought. So when you get to sound, right? When you get to, when you can vibrate faster than sound, when you can vibrate faster than light, you get up to where thought is. Thought is the point. Thought is the point when the ethers have to slow down fast. And this is where, like I said, it gets back into the spiritual physical size and shit the ethers are where the spirituality is that's the pool you feel me the ethers but the ethers have to slow down to become a thought and to catch that thought you have to speed the vibration up beyond sound beyond light to where you're at the point of thought which means you have to deprive yourself of the lights that are around you You have to deprive yourself of the sound 
if you've ever paid attention, this is why the noise of the world is is so motherfucking potent. And this is why it's hard. And this is why the city and all of this other shit that they make is designed the way that it's designed because it is made to make you stay in that pocket of where you cannot deprive yourself of the sounds, right? You ever paid attention to you? You're in so much loud noise. You don't even pay attention to that. Lights are loud. The fact that lights are loud. If you cut a light on in your house, you hear a hum, but you don't hear the hum. You know why? Because you're so used to louder noises on a regular basis that you can't hear that subtle vibration of the hum. So that automatically shows that you are being, when your lights are on, you're automatically being taken away from your ability to hear nothing. So this is why one, th- one thing that I used to tell people, I still tell people that before you go to sleep, even it's good with your kids too, if you got them, before you go to sleep, cut off every light in the house and cut candles on. You'll see what light is supposed to really feel like. Because remember, light isn't like to see just how I just broke it down. Everything is about the sense of touch. But if you cut off all your lights and light candles, cut off the lights. <laughs> nah, I'm still wishing. <laughs> Shout out to Teddy P. But, <laughs> but like when you cut the lights off and you light candles for a good 30 minutes to an hour before you go to sleep, you'll see how your body can finally rest. Your body now eases into the resting stage. You dig what I'm saying? And it's easing you to the rest of the stage because you're seeing the light without hearing the sound. By constantly hearing that low hum, you do not allow yourself to turn off the sense of touch that is associated with hearing. It's always on. You feel me? Your phones, your laptops, all of these different things, there's a subtle vibrational hum that you can't hear anymore. But you can feel it. You never stop feeling it. You feel what I'm saying? And so when you cut off the lights and then you use natural light and artificial light and you start to tap back in, like I said, you speed your physical up to the element to the element of thought. Then you slow your soul down, the ethers down to the element of thought. And now you're in the mental space to be in a playground where the kundalini energy is supposed to be. So now I mentioned that this was, you know, religious based or whatever the case may be. Every religious text tells you that there's going to be a great war, a great battle, but seven seals have to break. What are those seven seals? The chakras. The Bible tells the best story about it in the book of Revelation because it's like when those seven seals break, the um the great serpent emerges <laughs> from the bowels of the earth to fight. You feel me? They call it Leviathan, whatever the case may be. But it's a lizard. It's a snake. It represents the kundalini energy, right? And when it comes up, it has to fight Christ consciousness, right? So, so I mentioned this in hitting in not hitting raw. So for a three, how what people think is a messiah. It's not a being, but it's a state of consciousness. It's the anointed. Like to be anointed is to elevate yourself to Christ consciousness. Christ consciousness is the highest form of ascension, right? But you're ascending to the point where your thought is always active as the element. You're able to access the element of thought, which means that you bridge the gap between your physical and your own spiritual because your mental now allows them to be vibrationally at the same point. You feel what I'm saying? So this is why they were like, well, if you listen to the stories of Jesus and what he was representing, they were saying, well, he was saying things that people had not heard yet or saying things that was too complex for people to understand. It wasn't that he had just accessed the point where your physical has not met where my spiritual has gone. And but my spiritual and my physical are on point. And my bridge between I walk freely between these two spaces. You dig what I'm saying? That's what it meant to be a Messiah. That's what it meant to be Christ consciousness. 
by them convincing us that Christ conscious, that Christ is a single being that has to save everybody rather than the single essence that you generate and create within yourself to save yourself. You fuck up the reality. But anywho, when we look at that's that battle it's supposed to be the Leviathan has to go up to the Christ consciousness. When you have a spiritual awakening, all your chakras open up, but you have a mental breakdown or a spiritual breakdown. You have a breakdown in which everything has to open in order to get you back up to that point. When I talk about the tree of life, I break that down heavily from beginning to end on what happens when your chakras open at once and how to condense them back. And because when it happens, it's like a, it's like a, 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 a bull in a china shop, whatever the fuck they, they call the shit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? A bull in a china shop. But when you have that bull in a china shop, what does it do? It fucks up everything. You feel me? Because it runs rampant and it just does crazy shit. But it's like when your chakras open, your energy is going crazy. You have to condense it and slow it down because what happens is I tell people a lot of time, they're like, yo, I feel like I'm losing my mind. You're not losing your mind. What's happening is your mind has allowed your body which is your physical aspect, to speed up to your physical. and I mean, to your spiritual. And it's allowed your spiritual to slow down to your physical. And your mind was never prepared ahead of time before. So yeah, you feel like you're going crazy because you are, but you're not going insane. You're losing the mind that was given to you, the, line, the mind that put a barrier, a wall around your mind. The, you're losing the mind that has a barrier around it, that event that prevented the physical and the spiritual from aligning with each other. You feel what I'm saying? It prevented those two points from aligning with each other. So in that prevention, what happens is when the Kundalini energy hits and you go through your spiritual breakthrough and your spiritual awakening, it all opens at one time. And now you don't know what to do because there was never a point. We've been taught to pray all our lives, but we never taught to meditate. Because like I said, meditation is about, it helps with sensory deprivation because the moment you deprive yourself of your senses, you allow your spiritual senses to kick in. So you become the clairvoyance, the clairaudience, the clairsentience. You feel what I'm saying? It's all the same shit, but it's tied to feeling. But now it's that internal feeling. That's why they say, oh, it's the intuition or whatever the case may be. Intuition without intelligence is insecurity. All of these things matter. All these things are important. So anyway, I'm going to stay on topic. So when that battle happens, they say Christ descends from the throne or whatever. 200,000 goons going to come down and start scrapping this shit. You know, it's a crazy story. It's a beautiful story when you understand the allegory to it. But if you just look at the mythology, it's just crazy as fuck. But the Leviathan has to get caged back in. But the thing about it is that this same story happens in a, from a different context in the comedic iconography. When you have Set, which is the ego, dismembering Asar, scattering him around the world, and Aset, which is... Asar, hold on, first let me say that. Set is the ego, Asar is the soul, Aset is wisdom. And that is a dope story, dope metaphor on how all of that breaks down because the spiritual awakening was the ego completely obliterating the soul. Same shit with the Leviathan having to be fought by the Christ consciousness. No, the case may be your spiritual awakening, your ego is completely shattered. Who you've been trying to be, who you've been like, all of that is completely shattered. Now you have to use your wisdom, divine wisdom, to put your soul back together. This is why after Set killed Asar, scattered a body across the world, Aset went and found Asar's body because she is wisdom, and it took wisdom to reunite the soul, to bring it back. So now, when that fight happened, Haru had to ultimately conquer Set. He never beat him. He never killed him. He never had to. You feel me? But he, he worked with him. Same shit. Christ consciousness, it doesn't kill the Kundal. It doesn't kill the Uraeus. 
the, the Leviathan, the serpent energy. Think about it. If that, if think like that's the whole premise of the book. The good is supposed to triumph for the evil guy, gonna come back and kill everybody, whatever the case may be, all the bad people gonna die. Why then, if the Leviathan was already locked up? Because think about how the story plays up, plays out. The Leviathan has to break out of the bowels of the earth and then come up to fight. And only to get beaten and get sent right. Like, if you knew the Leviathan was a real problem, why the fuck didn't you just ice him right then? Go ahead and put him down and kill him. And then that's the end of it. No, you lock him back up because it's about control. It's not about death. All you keep hearing is get into the markets. But do you trade or do you invest? Should you do stocks, forex, crypto, or NFTs? My personal answer is not a single one if you don't know how to read a chart. Without knowing how to read a chart, you end up giving all your money to those who do. Do you know what a candle is? Do you know the pocket of activity? Do you know the difference between market direction and market control? If you answer no at least once, you might want to learn how to read a chart first. Learning how to read a chart will let you know if you should trade or invest and if you should do stocks, forex, crypto, and or NFTs. It will also let you know if this is even for you or not. So visit IamJustSeen.com to learn how to recharge with my Master in the Market course, ebooks, and webinars today. The world is changing. The question is, will you adapt with it? When I tell people, you don't kill your ego, you master your ego. When the Leviathan gets locked back again down to the bottom of the, um, the bowels of the earth, it's still not dead. It's there until it resurfaces another time to have another spiritual awakening. But the next time it has a spiritual awakening, you know how to use it. In fact, you can allow the Leviathan out of the cage when you want to. In order to trigger yourself to bring you into alignment, to the divine alignment, which your physical and your spiritual are in line and the bridge between the, the mind is clear. You feel me? This is why I'm big on studying antithesis of things, because that's largely why a lot of motherfuckers can't get to the right position mentally. In order to be able to use their kundalini energy because it fucks them up when you go to the other side they don't give a fuck whether you know something is good bad or ugly because sometimes you can have an angel that'll distract you or throw you completely off or you can have a demon that'll give you the guidance that you need but here's where the kundalini energy comes in and here's where different aspects of the brain tie in they teach us not to use the creative side of our brains the right side of our brain is completely shut down and everything is tied to the left side. So much so, if you understand how crisscross patterns happen, crisscross patterns are the mind. The left brain controls the right side of the body. The right brain controls the left side of the body. You wonder why everybody writes right-handed. There was a time, you can have old heads that'll really tell you, they'd be like, there was a time when I was left-handed. I remember being left-handed, but they beat me into right -hand, being right-handed. Every time I wrote my left hand, they popped me with a ruler. Because they were purposely, and when I tell people the education system is going to shut your mind down, they be thinking I'm, I'm reaching. No, motherfuckers have documented experiences, experiences where they say, you know what? I remember being, being able to write with my left hand, but they whooped me or they popped my hand and made me write with my right. So now when you write like that, that trauma, it triggers in you. So now when you teach your child to write, you don't have to, you, you think, oh, it's just right-handed. Everybody writes right-handed. No, you write for the, you, you write for the side that is dominant. Some people are right dominant, which means they're left brain thinkers. That's cool, but you understand you have to understand your intelligence. Some people are left brain thinkers. You feel me? Which means they're going to be left-handed off rib. How do you write left-handed? 
You feel me? So now when we look at our ancestral lineages and we look at the, the shit of the past, they didn't write from right to left. They wrote from left to right. You got to be left-handed to write from left to right. Just like you got to be right-handed to write from right to left. Because if you're left-handed writing right from left, what happens? You smear on the paper. It's deep. It's deep. Our ancestors made sure they used the right side of the brain in addition to the left side of the brain. But they made sure the right side was the active side because that's the side that helps you connect to your spirituality because you need your imaginative faculties in order to do it. Now, when your imagination has been tainted to where what you think is good, evil, all of these different things, when you go into that space, that's what your database has to be drawn off of. People ask me, why do you know so much? What are you trying to prove? Nothing. Nothing. I just know that when I go into the spiritual space, I want to be able to see everything and understand everything without having uh, my messages blurred. You feel me? So I learn a lot. I experience a lot. I spend time with a lot because I'm like, you know what? I can probably get a message out of that. And I can probably, and I'm likely to get a message out of that. Like, hmm, how are we going to make sure you get this the best way? It's my imagination. My imagination is not dead. It's full. It's vibrant because I store a lot of shit in it because I make sure I access the right side of my brain. Case in point, how I understood the tw- I understood the twenty two laws, twenty two paths of the um of the tree of life before I even left religion. I had a dream when I was like twenty one or twenty two years old, where I got shot twenty two times. In the dream, I didn't die, but because at the time, I'd say I was twenty like twenty one, twenty two. So I was out of college. I mean, I was in college, but for one, I was already in a hood environment. I came from a hood environment, and so it's like. Made sense. You get shot 22 times. Nigga, fuck. Like, it's like I got shot 22 times and I survived it. You got to be careful though, too. When you understand, when you start getting dreams, and this is why I tell all of my um my session students, I'm like, yo, I'm gonna I can't interpret your dream, but I can only tell you, I can only help you draw out where that dream is stored, where the information for that dream is stored. I never tell them like, yo, this is what this means. Like any motherfucker who tells you what your dream means, they're lying to you. I'm going to say that shit again. If a motherfucker can interpret your dream and tell you what your dream means, they're lying. They're lying. The dream, a true dream interpreter is somebody who is supposed to take the information that you have and help you analyze and draw out of it from where your mindset has stored that information. So like I said, I got shot 22 times and the dream is like, yo, we got to make sure you understand 22, that there's 22 paths that you got to take in life. Right, that are going to hit you hard, but they're not going to kill you. The metaphor was right there. So as I'm telling people about this dream, they're like, "Be careful! You might get shot. Don't you don't." I'm like, "What are y'all? I'm not fearful of the like when I got shot. It didn't hurt. When I got shot, I'm looking at the motherfucker shooting me. Like, why the fuck are y'all shooting me? And it's not in my mind. It's not registering that I'm going to die. There's not a sense of fear surrounding me. You feel me? So I don't feel. I'm like, I can't take on what you're projecting because you can only they. When somebody is from somebody else's database, they can only express what you're, you know. So like if I tell you I'm getting shot 22 times, you associate getting shot with death. That's it. <laughs> There's no positive that you can get out of that. But also in this dream, like I said, I got shot 22 times. Kobe Kobe was in a dream with number 24 walking away from me. Um, I ended up climbing a mountain, a snowy cat mountain, or whatever the case may be, calling my mama saying I finally made it. Um... My homies, I remember them taking me to the hospital after the, you know, 22 pass or 22 shots or whatever. Okay. All of that shit is manifest. And now I'm seeing is like, when I looked at it, I'm like, bruh, I wish I would have had more in my imagination so I could have had a lot more, you know what I'm saying, detail in my dreams. 
Because now at this point that I am right now, I've studied so much and I've learned so much and I've grown so much as a person that whenever I need a message, I can get it from anything, anything. And I'm attuned to it because it's like, I see what that part of the creativity is. That's why that was there. You feel what I'm saying? Learning the numbers, learning the stars, learning all those things. But more importantly, understanding my Kundalini energy is what made that real. Because when I started to access my Kundalini energy on a regular basis with my meditations and centering myself and putting myself in the mental space to take it there. You feel what I'm saying? It helped me get into my Akashic records because when I would see certain things that in the records, it's like, yo, you're only going to understand this because of this experience. This experience gave you the database so we can put this shit together to say here. Now there's things that when people say there's parts of my dream that was fuzzy, there's things that I don't remember. I know that this, there was this part that happened, but the reason why you don't remember it because there was nothing in your database to associate with that. You had not experienced the necessary life to give you what that was supposed to tell you. You know how many dreams motherfuckers have not fulfilled? You know how many dreams motherfuckers have missed because they didn't have the right information when the message was supposed to come through? Simply because their right side of the right side of their brain had been shut down. I'm going to stay on point with this. The right side of the brain had been shut down a long time ago, which means now when your kundalini energy, your kundalini energy, <laughs> your kundalini energy has to rise, it has to come up from the perspective of only being able to do it from one dynamic, which is the right side of your brain, which is logic. So now you're not able to access the spiritual realm the way you think you can because you have no creativity. You have no imagination to actually create your spiritual realm. Your spirit, your spirit, like I tell people a lot of time, there's no reason why you should share the spiritual realm with somebody else because you're individuals. It's no different than people be like, why did my life, I go to church and shit, and then your life start falling apart because you're sharing altars with people. An altar is an individual, study the ancestors, study actual spiritual systems. Your altar is your individual thing. Nobody should be touching it. Nobody should be using it. You should, it, it's yours, but you share an altar with people, right? And then your entire imagination, like that's why I say the highest conceptualization, a God is the highest conceptualization of the mind. When you, when the highest conceptualization, when you do not know the highest conceptualization of your mind, how are you really going to talk to it when you see it? So this is why when you tell people, well, describe God for me. It's just a feeling. I don't know. I just know he's there. How you know it's a he? Like, that's what get me. Like, I be, I'm telling you, I be mind blown when women say, <laughs> when women call God, God a he or Allah, whatever. It's like he, and you're creating the image of a man. Okay. Think about that. Well, nah, because this is what, it, like, no, you can justify it because now you have to because it's coming to terms with the reality of that this wasn't for you. The most devout people, this shit ain't for them. You feel me? Like, how does that even compute to make sense? A woman is creating the image and likeness of a man. It does make sense, though, when you actually understand the image and likeness of the deity and God not being a man, but an energy, Yadhev Vavhev, which is the four elements of creation. That's when it starts to make sense that you can be creating the image and likeness of that. But when they tell you a different name, when they tell you what it's not, you can only tap into it from the right side of your brain which is your creative space. And when they created your image of God for you, what do you, what do you create? What do you create within you? So when it's time for you to be in your spiritual space, your Zen mode, what do you think you bring it down? Or what do you think you're sending up? 
So this is why I tell people, mastering your kundalini energy helps center that. But it's about also to triggering into the right side of your brain. Because once you're able to balance these two, the left side and the right side of the brain, that also helps with creating the bridge. Because the, the mind is the bridge between the body and the soul, right? But the mind is the dual nature between the concrete and the abstract, the left brain and the right brain, the 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 structure and the creative. Like, you feel me? Like, what does the, like, how can the mind be a half-built bridge? If the mind is a half-built bridge, then what can, check this out. If the mind is a half-built half bridge, right, your spirituality side is tied, your spirituality and your spiritual essence is connected to the right side of your brain. Your physical essence is connected to the left side of your brain. You feel me? The tangible shit you can see that's right brain shit. I mean, left brain shit. The creative abstract shit. If the left side of your brain has a rung on your ladder, on your bridge, if it's gone, how do you think your spiritual side is supposed to connect with? How do you think you're supposed to connect on your spiritual side? To the limited capacity to what you think your creativity is, which is the limited capacity to what your religious system tells you it is. So when you're taught that you can't do certain things, so for example, I grew up in the churches where they were like, you know, if you can't do it for God, then you can't, if you can't do it in church, then you don't need to be doing it. Everybody give thanks for the church. Because if the church is, if the actual text says the church is within, who's the gift really for? You, motherfucker. If the church is within and you're supposed to give your gift to the church, then that means when you get that creative buzz to do your gift, you do it for you. You do it for you to the absolute capacity. And when you give it to the world, they're going to fuck with it if they fuck with you. You feel me? I don't, when I do my jam sessions, I don't do my jam sessions to prove a point. The point's already proven. <laughs> I'm dope. <laughs> I'm dope. Now I just want to, I want myself to see how dope I am. I want myself to see how 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 far I can push. So when people say you sold your soul, right? I'm going to show you what that really means. Because if we're talking about the Kundalini energy and we're talking about how you connect to the right side of your brain, that's your spiritual side. To sell your soul means that you have given somebody complete, utter access for a monetary gain to the left side of your brain. I mean, to the right side of your brain. See, we look at it in music. Oh, the devil, you know, he owned music, so they sold, they sold. Like what I used to ask people, like, what does it mean to sell your soul? Like, what are you actually doing? Do you give something up out of yourself? Out of yourself? When your imagination has been taught like that since you were a kid, you never actually matured the development of the understanding of what it means to sell your soul. So you think a real you really give up your soul. Mm -mm. Everybody sells their soul every day to something. Everybody. Some people have given their soul up willingly for free, but everybody sells their soul at some point to something because when you understand that you are not using the right side of your brain, that means you're not accessing your spiritual connection. But when somebody else has you using your right side of the brain for their benefit, you sold your soul. You go to work in a job, you've been there five, six, seven, maybe 10 years, and they tell you, we love your creative ideas. Bring some fresh innovation to the, to the, to the job. <laughs> Bring your soul, nigga. <laughs> Bring your soul. <laughs> Bring your soul to me. Here's your paycheck. Here's your paycheck. Because it's your creative side. When you are able to access your full creative side and use it at will, that's when you're free. And when you're able to monitor, like, that's why they be like, yo, what is it though for? That's why that phrase goes, what is it for the man, a whole man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? 
Because what is your soul? Your soul is the part that has to slow down for your right side of your to register within the right side of your brain. Your creativity. Right? So you gain the whole world and you can keep your soul too. Because it's my creativity. This is what the point of it, the point of that was, you know, maintain your intelligence, maintain your maintain your intellectual property. We in a world right now where they steal your shit. As soon as you come up with a fresh idea that you don't trademark, brand, monet, like you don't capitalize on, they're gonna steal your shit. You need copyrights. You need all of these things because somebody will steal your shit. But the thing about it is that a lot of people ain't you. So they don't have the same creativity that you have. I know a lot of people that are, you know, trying to build shit off of the shit that I built. I let them. I let them. Your foundation ain't the same as mine. Your soul wasn't in that. Mine was. That's why it's different. That's why I hit different. That's why when I be telling people and shit, like, they be like, yo, how you just had certain conversations like that? Like, how do you know so much? How do you remember? It ain't remembering and shit. I seek to understand it so I don't have to memorize shit. So when I had these fluid conversations, when I'm able to talk, I'm able to tap into where I need to tap into. My creativity is it's always it's always accessible. It's never absent. It's always here. You feel me? But that's because of the way in which I learn how to synergize these two by understanding my kundalini energy. When it got to me like learning how to meditate and learning how to master meditation and shit, it was different. When I sit and I'm focused, like a lot of people like, yo, how I don't have to meditate long anymore. Now I know how to meditate. So people be like, yo, when I need when I need actual clarity, I know how to just go get it. I don't meditate and let it come. Like I used to have to meditate, let it come to me till I understand the power of the kundalini energy. When I did the sensory deprivation, I completely shut down my entire sense, all my senses by being still and housing my energy and condensing it down to where it's in my brain. Like I said, I'm going to talk about that in a, in a second. But when I'm able to condense it to my brain, now I'm able to access my right side of my brain. So when I tell people, like, I'm going to let y'all in on a secret on what I do when I do my meditations, right? So when I center myself, I use my le- the, right, the left side of my brain first. So I use sacred geometry. In a sense, I use just the physical aspect of sacred geometry where I start with a single dot. I create the the second the start with a single dot. I create the line from the line. I then create the two dimensional figure, square, circle, triangle, whatever it is I'm choosing to focus on at that particular time. Then from there, I create a three D structure. All of this time, I'm leveraging and I'm invigorating the right side of my brain as I'm using the left side because it's easy to visualize a square. It's easy to visualize these things. Then I get to a point where I can start. Once that once that gets centered. I go in and now I start to see colors. I visualize colors. I start with the hardest color, or the easiest color first, which is the lowest color on the um, color spectrum, which is red. You know, if you understand the color spectrum, Roy G. Biv is red, orange, yellow, blue, green, indigo, and violet, right? So when I visualize, after I create these shapes, I use the left side of my brain to create these structure shapes. Then I have to use the right side of my brain to see colors. Right. But all in all, I'm starting from the base of the chakra. So I'm going through the root chakra. I understand I got to see earth. I see the the water. I see all these different things and I start to formulate them in my head. And then I go into the right side. And that's when I start to visualize color. So like I said, I start with red ultimately until I transition all the way to seeing black. Like visually, I have to see the color in my head and how I used to how I started off doing it was 
I will visualize something and that's that color and then make that dissolve. So now I don't have to like look at a stop sign anymore, visualize a stop sign to visualize the red part until I'm just seeing red and it's magnifying and I'm going through the different colors of red. Now I can just go straight to red. It's like, okay, I want to visualize red because I've had practice doing it. You feel what I'm saying? So then once I get to the to the black and I do the indigo, I do the violet and I get into the black, that's when I'm able to access the ethos because the black is where, this is where the magic comes in because like really pun intended, because in order to see the black, you have to have all of the light accessible within you, right? So it's like to see the darkness is like, that's where the shit really comes in because now I am completely in the space of my, um, my creative side, my spiritual side, you feel me? Because there's nothing there. It's completely darkness. And you know, darkness is the all encompassing of everything. You feel me? The light is the absence of everything. White is the absence black is the all encompassing, right? So once I'm in that space, then I'm able to move into the ether space. So then I'm able to move into the elements of thought. You feel me? And once I'm in that, that's when my Kundalini energy now, I have it. I have moved it from the base of my spine. Like I said, you have the Kata Iguana. So when it's moving from the base of my spine, I move it from the base of my spine all the way up. A lot of people, and this is something that I've learned in trying to show people or teach people about the Kundalini, what happens to them is that they stop within the center of their back. You feel me? And when they stop in the center of their back, they like, yo, it's a burning. My back is burning because that's where your heart chakra is. The heart chakra, because it's the element of air, and you always hear me say it's the tangible, intangible element, right? With it being the tangible, intangible, intelligent, the tangible, intangible element, same thing is with the heart. The heart chakra serves as the bridge between fifth dimension and third dimension. So the heart chakra is fourth dimension in its own. A lot of people ain't ready to go to that other side yet. What has to happen is you have to suffer heartbreak or you have to go through, you have to, it's crazy because you don't necessarily need heartbreak, but heartbreak is what triggers it when we're in a certain space in life. We live in a certain society that takes heartbreak to open up your um your chakra because we have two dynamics. We have joy and pain. That's why I say there's only two emotions, joy and pain. Everything else is a feeling, right? That triggers, that leads to that. So when we look at the feelings like happiness, um, uh, excitement, contentment, those are all feelings that lead to the emotion of joy. You feel me? Just like we have anger, rage, and aggression. <laughs> those are all of the feelings that lead to the emotion of pain. What opens the heart chakra is going to be either pain or joy. Why? Because it's either going to be trauma or euphoria. Nobody has ever, we don't experience euphoria anymore. They make us experience trauma because that's what opens our chakra up, right? But it's going to open up. Now, when it does open up, what you have to do is now it creates the bridge between the different levels of consciousness, fifth dimension, third dimension, whatever the case may be. But now when you tie that in, when a lot of people are doing their kundalini work and they're trying to move their kundalini and it gets to the middle of their back, they're like, it burns. Yeah, it does burn. There's a block because you're not going above that. Spiritually, you can't go above that because you have not healed or you have not broken through that point. You have not had the spiritual awakening to set you up. Now, off the other side of that, when death happens, when people are in traumatic experiences and shit, it opens up. Now it's on you when it opens up. It's like, why do people get so clear and they, they start getting deeper? And it's like, I feel like a person's losing their mind. They be like, nah, motherfuckers don't be losing their mind. They lose the mind that was given to them. It's like they start getting all philosophical and they start talking about death more and they start, you know, and that's only because how they open the chakra was through trauma. If they open it through euphoria, they'll be talking about life. 
the abundance of life. Not not the cliche shit you got on social media where motherfuckers just like, yo, more life, all of this shit. Like, nah, when you really talking about life, the way in, like, it's different. You feel me? It becomes different. Something that I used to do, like, people ask me, like, when I woke up, it was like, yo, I don't, I didn't want to do forensic biology anymore. And they were like, why? Because niggas death. I don't like death anymore. Like, I had realized how much trauma my life was when death was normal to me. To where I said, I want to be a doctor of the dead. The fuck kind of shit was that? <laughs> I want to be a doctor of the dead. But then when I balanced it and I started getting my Kundalini right, I could only focus on life because it takes that healing out of the trauma to understand how to under, how to vibrate with euphoria. Now you can channel it and trigger it. A lot of times when you see me do a jam session, that's a euphoric moment for me. There's no trauma there. There's a I'm lost in a complete level of euphoria. Nobody can touch me when I'm in that space. You feel me? Because I triggered a euphoria in it, right? So now, like I said, when that opens up and you can trigger your kundalini energy up to your brain, and this is where I'm bringing it back in. I'm going to try to wrap it up. This is where I'm going to bring it back in full circle to where the kundalini energy, once it hits your brain, it has to start off. It moves up to what's called the third ventricle of the brain. This is where, you know, you hear people say, oh, semen is you know the energy you could take it from your semen and like when they talk about semen retention they talk about the um ejaculation and i'm only using this because i'm a dude and you know we can ejaculate they're like when you had an orgasm rather than releasing you channel it back up to the brain you don't channel the nut not the physical aspect you channel the nervous feeling that comes to you up right that means you have to have control of your nervous system a lot of us don't have control of our nervous system below our waist. You feel me? We do not have control over our nervous system below our waist. And that's scary. That's scary. And when we can get to that point when we feel those tingles and it's just like, yo, I got to stop. Or whatever the case may be, the goal isn't to stop. It is to take that energy and move it. Now, when you can take that energy and move it to your brain, it's different. But that is what the control of the kundalini energy is because it goes from but it's, it's all in the matters of the tingle. So when we about to get that nut or whatever, our legs start twitching and we start getting weak, that energy is because there's a peripheral nerves that are derived from the nervous system that comes from the cardiaquana. So it's on us to take that energy, pause it, move it back up and say, hold on, I ain't gonna like, you can shift it up into what it's supposed to be. So now when it comes back into your brain, now physically it comes into what's called the third ventricle of your brain. Look this up. The third ventricle of the brain is where you have CF, CSF, cerebral spinal fluid, right? It is a liquid medium in which pretty much coats the spinal cord, right? When you can generate and re, 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 reroute the energy back up into that space, that third ventricle of the brain, that's when you have reached a different level of mental power, right? A level of mental power that ultimately is the power that you're supposed to be accessing and tapping into, you know, on the spiritual vibe. So when we take, when we take this energy and we can get it to our third ventricle of our brain, the third ventricle of our brain sits right behind, right behind, below or around your pineal gland. The pineal gland holds the, um, the pineal gland holds the, um, third eye, right? That's where your brow is. That's where the brow energy is. Only thing above that is the crown, right? So the goal is to, when you get your kundalini up, and this is why they say it's the seat 
to the soul. The pineal gland is the seat to the soul. When you get your kundalini energy up to your third ventricle of the brain, I can promise you, if you ever learn how to do this shit, I can promise you that what's going to happen is you're going to feel the pineal gland pulse like a heartbeat. It's going to start to pulsate, not like a boom, 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 not like the heart actually beating, but you're going to feel a pulsation and then it's going to, it's going to radiate within your brain. You feel me? And I'm telling you what I do. I'm not telling you what I know, I'm telling you what I understand and what I've experienced. It's going to radiate within your brain, right? So from there, it's going to get slightly, I ain't going to say, it doesn't get painful, right? It just gets kind of uncomfortable, right? And it gets kind of uncomfortable because it's foreign, right? It's like, it's hard to describe exactly what it feels like. Like you ever... You know how when when you when you set for too long and your motherfucker um your motherfucking leg, you know, it's it's it get like that that numb feeling, but when you feel it coming back in, like the feeling coming back to your leg, because the nerves like that's what that brain, that's what it feels like in your brain. It's not like a migraine or a headache or no shit like that. It's just pressure, right? At that point, the pineal gland is gonna pulse. And it's gonna pulse and pulse and pulse up until the point where Where what happens to your brain is like it, the pulsing stops. It kind of, it doesn't stop. You kind of dissolve into it. My bad. I had to make a post, y'all. My bad. But that's why I was distracted. But it doesn't stop, but you merge into it. That is a part of this mastery of the sensory deprivation because it's a feeling and you're like, okay, let me calm it down. And once you can calm it down, that's when you can access the crown energy. And now you can go up to the, to the next levels. There's no blockages after that. Once you go to that crown energy, once you tap back into that crown space, that's when everything starts to come towards you. That's when your kundalini energy now sets the tone for your spiritual to slow down enough for your physical to speed up for your mind serves as the bridge. You need that creativity too, so you can have a uh, the, both rungs on the, the on the um on your bridge. Your bridge is fortified now, right? So when you dissolve into that, now when like I said, when you go into the spiritual spaces, like that's what the spiritual realm is about. That's where your creativity is. If somebody has already created your spiritual space, they control your mind. I'm going to let you sit with that for a little bit. If somebody can tell you what your spiritual realm looks like, or it's supposed to look like, it's supposed to have, they control your mind. I remember when I first started meditating, I really got deep into it, and people was like, yo, I want to get into meditation. What I got to do? I got to chant Jesus all the time. Nope. That means somebody created your mental space. So when you go into your spiritual realm, you're only going to see the confines of what's in there. It's like not what you're supposed to see, what somebody wants you to see. Why would somebody want to control what you see spiritually? Hmm. 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 Because it fucks you up. It sedates you. It stops everything about you. Because now you can only operate life through what it's told like you know what i'm saying whether it's like this is why i i hear people say you know heavily religious people they be like well it's not in the bible you stuck <laughs> you stuck motherfuckers can really be in a space where they can see something but they can't quantify it because they don't have a biblical verse they don't have something that can justify what they've been programmed 
to creatively see spiritually. Now imagine having a spiritual practice that you don't understand. And because you don't understand your spiritual practice, yet you still follow the shit. What do you think happens to your creativity? What do you think happens to your actual spiritual realm? Feel me? You know how many times I've had conversations with people and they were like, yeah, man, I died or I saw God before. What do he look like? I couldn't see his face. You know why you couldn't see his face? Because Moses couldn't see his face. You know why you only see his hand? Because your mind programmed you to see his hand. Like you can't see his face. Well, I was about to look in his face and then he turned his head because your mind has already, your creativity has already told you that, and this is a part of your spiritual system. Your creativity has already told you that you cannot see your deity's face. So because you cannot see your deity's face, you're not going to see your deity's face when your deity tries to show itself to you. Completely fucks you up. Completely fucks you up. Ask anybody who believes in anything that they say they believe in, ask them what it looks like. You know, they laugh at the Hindus, they laugh at the Buddhists and shit like that because they're like, oh, this is short. They actually can see what their deity would look like. So if they went into that space to talk, like they know what to look. We don't even know what we're looking at. And if we actually did see the face of our deity, it'll freak us out. Like right now in real time, people be like, yo, you know, can't wait for Jesus to come back. If Jesus came back, you'll shun him. Because you don't know what he's supposed to look like. All you know is he got skin of burnt bronze hair wool. Nigga, that's anybody. That could be me. Well, I ain't got no hair no more, so can't be me no more. Feel me? But you feel what I mean? This is where I'm going with that because it's like whoever controls your spiritual side can control how your kundalini has to move. When they control how your kundalini energy has to move, they control your entire reality to where you can petrify yourself and you can psych, you can psych yourself out of valuable gifts of life simply because you're... I've had people, I know people. I ain't going to say I have. I know people are spiritually gifted with amazing talents that they will never tap into because they can't do it for church. And because they won't do it for church, you feel me? Or they're just like, oh, I can't put no money on it because what is it for the man to gain his whole world? Lose his soul? Love of money is the root of all evil. Oh, 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 oh. See how your reality is created? So anything that you think to do creatively, which... That's a part of one of the 12 laws of the universe, the law of compensation. When you now tap into one of the 12 laws of the universe and you're using it universally with your spiritual system through your spiritual context, you're going to be compensated for however you give it to the world. You can't, you can't take that away. You can't take away. But now when you are, when how you're designed to use your creativity is controlled, fucks you up. Fucks you up. So when we look at the kundalini energy, right? And we look at what the kundalini energy does once it taps you into that next space you can go to the spiritual side all you want to if your spiritual side is not created by you you're not going to see what you're supposed to see you're going to see what somebody else wanted you to see so this is why i always ask the question when the enemy when the, when the oppressor and the oppressed serve the same god whose prayers get answered first because what people don't understand is the solution to your prayers comes with the right side of your brain. When you send the prayer up and you meditate or whatever to get it down, what you need to do is going to come in the form of creativity. 
every problem that you've ever had in your life, sit and really think about that shit. How the fuck did you get out of it? A lot of people say, well, God just worked his way out of Okay, now, did God not give you whatever God, Allah, Jehovah, Krishna, Buddha, Jesus, whatever, when they gave you the resources to get out, was it not some of the most creative shit you ever did? Motherfuckers don't got to see you. Don't, motherfuckers didn't have to see your creativity. But the way in which you made it out of that situation was your creativity not intact. Did you not say, I don't know. And people to this day, they'll, they'll utter the words, and this is what fucks me up because... I don't like doing this anymore, but I realized I used to do it back in back in the day and shit. But people will literally say, I don't know how I did this. And the whole time they predicated and they just moved with a certain, they creatively moved a certain way and they say they don't know how to do it. That's disrespectful to you. That's disrespectful to the very deity that planted that creativity in your head to get you out of the fucking problem. Because that creativity is what opened the door for you to see this reality, to receive what you're supposed to get in the physical. Back to what I was saying about how when you're in simpatico with the right shit, when your mind, when your physical speeds up and your spiritual slows down to where they're in the same level for your mind to connect that shit, it has to come in through your creativity. Your creativity sends it in and then now your abstract, your your concrete mind, the right side, structures it down so now it can come into the physical so you can manifest it. So the right people can move into the right places in your life and do this part and this part and this part. And you be thinking you don't know how when you calibrated the whole thing. So when I tell people, they be like, what is divine intervention? If faith without works is dead, then that means you create divine in intervention. God helps those who help themselves, right? <laughs> how do you help yourself other than with your creativity by tapping into your spiritual side? See why the kundalini energy is so motherfucking important. Because the kundalini energy breaks the barriers and makes you have to utilize both sides of this energy at the same time. Your left brain and your right brain, your concrete and your abstract, your intelligence and your intuition, your rationale and your emotionality, your objective and your subjective. Those things have to go together. It's called balance. That's what spirituality is really about. And your kundalini energy is just the energy that you take and you now control. That's why that sensory deprivation is important because you stop feeling with the physical, which means that's how you speed yourself up to be able to have your mindset in the point to where when the spiritual slows itself down to connect with you, you're able to catch it. You feel me? Motherfucker, like, I just had a thought. Something told me to do this. What? What? Because you don't know you have to attribute it to God rather than, or Allah, Jehovah, Christian, Buddha, Jesus, rather than saying it was my creativity that sparked this. You know who knows and understands creativity well? Children. As a child, how they did something. They'd be like, I don't know. I just did it. But to tell you these words are very powerful. They say, I don't know. I just did it. They know it's not something outside of themselves. When do we learn that it's something outside of ourselves? So when I tell you they shut your right side of your brain down through the education system and all the other shit and your spiritual system controls that. It controls your creativity because, oh, I don't want you can't think these thoughts because these thoughts are, you know, and then now, you know, your creativity also is created to your sexual energy and shit. Come on. What do they do with sex? They either make you waste it or make you feel guilty for it. It fucks up your personal identity as a whole. You stop being creative after a while. And if you stop being creative, how the fuck are you really tapping into your deity? And don't forget to check out Pala Cafe Clothing, formerly Just Seen's merch, 
Get all of your intricate designs crafted specifically for the melanated bean to develop a positive imagery within self and to have a little bit of fun in the process. From the peace, love, knowledge, and freedom to the dead horses and water designs, all the styles are crafted for the imagery to make you feel as you're supposed to feel. Because as I always say, the best way to fit in is to stand out. And what better way to stand out than with your exclusive styles from Pala Cafe Clothing. All right, I'm going to go ahead and end it there. Um, Yeah, because I see that it's going to like lead me into another place. Um, But yeah, that's Kundalini energy. Or what I want to talk about about Kundalini energy. Um, I had to keep bringing it back. But Kundalini energy is that powerful because it's the Uraeus, it's the serpent, it's the it's the awakening moment. You feel me? That's why you got to understand all levels of your religion, your belief system, anything that you that you you fuck with the way you fuck with. You feel me? Because what's going to happen is in the grand scheme of things, in the long run, if your creativity ain't intact, you fucked up. It's it's, it's that simple. It's really that simple. If your creativity is not intact, what's going to happen to you in the grand scheme of it all is you're not going to be out. You're not going to be able to access you. You will never access you. You only continually like that's that's when they talk about MK Ultra, right? They talk about how do they mind control? They think you, you really think you need a cup? You need an actual head machine? No. They already they already control your mind because they they already control your mind because they dictate your creativity. Think about it. You get on social media, motherfuckers that follow a trend. Motherfuckers are supposed to be canceling R. Kelly. The new trend is motherfucking leg shape. They're doing a little nose swipe and do the new trend. Like they tell you what to be creative with. And regardless of whatever morals and values you stand on, it don't mean shit because they control your mind. They control your creativity. Therefore, they have access to your soul. Think about that shit. If a trend, when I, when the Ice Bucket Challenge came out, niggas oh, doing this shit for ALS. Black people wasn't even getting ALS like that. So why the fuck are we doing the Ice Challenge? Hmm. Motherfucker told us to. Because a motherfucker has your creativity in the palm of their hands. Every day you get on social media, they control it. You feel me? You think you content creators, y'all think they're on a boom for for no reason? And that's why the, the consumption of the content creator is like, you feel me? You you gotta make quick content. You can't make slow content no more. You have to make content that makes people jump that moment. And it's like in 48 hours, it's gone. The thrill is gone. It's crazy, right? Because they control you. If they can control your creativity, and I'm gonna tell you, they're like, I know I'm on fucking my life. Well, they don't control my creativity. Are you are you afraid? Are you afraid to express your creativity? They control you. They control it. Then you may not think they controlling it because you're not using it for them or whatever the case may be. If you're scared to express your creativity, because largely our creativity is who we really are on the inside, and we don't ever want to show motherfuckers that shit. You feel me? It's like, what what are you so scared of? Like, what are you scared to show? So now you have to behave a certain way. Right? Behavior and creativity don't run hand to hand. They can't. Because the shit that you're compelled to do, what is it going to make you do? You feel me? 
but you got to behave. So you shut down a lot of the faculties within yourself that will make you do better, that will make you actually be that creative being. Right? But it all comes back to your Kundalini energy. Because now, if your creativity is not intact, your Kundalini energy ain't rising high enough. If your Kundalini energy isn't rising, it remains more dormant and it stays at your root chakra. Now, another way to keep your root chakra blocked is to stay in a state of survival. <laughs> if you're in a state of survival, you're not creating shit. Because all you can do is think logically on how to get out of situations. You cannot think creatively to get out of situations. You know how many motherfuckers right now are entrepreneurs, but they can't be entrepreneurs because they're in a state of survival? Entrepreneurship is about creativity, 100%. You're literally pulling nothing out of... Like, think about the most successful entrepreneurs. One, they didn't go to school. And for two, they created some shit that nobody's seen before. I know they give you, oh, there's nothing new under the sun. Bullshit. Bullshit. That's what makes an entrepreneur stand tall. When you're not trying to create, like, think about it. Windows, you know, don't want to give Bill Gates too much kudos and shit because he's a fuck up. But think about it. He was creative. He didn't follow a rule. He didn't behave. He was creative. And this is what creative motherfuckers get to do, what the fuck they want. Now you got motherfuckers getting vaccinated and shit, and he buying up all the motherfucking farmland because he was creative. Steve Jobs, creative. You feel me? But these motherfuckers access. And then with Steve Jobs' situation, they said, rumor has it that he took um he took LSD. This is why they started banning that shit. LSD and PCP, when it first came out, it was designed to be like crack. Okay, we're going to keep the people sedated. They fucked up because it made people access other, other levels of their mind. You dig what I'm saying? You ever notice why when people say they took went on LSD trips or they took um, ayahuasca, whatever case may be, the trees started talking. That's when you see the trippy shit, what happens to some of the most creative shit you see? Even if they show it on commercials, on cartoons and shit, like, yo, describe your trip. It's like, bro, I saw colors. The fucking animals was talking to me and shit. The motherfucking, uh, it's some crazy shit. Because that's your spiritual side. That's your spiritual side. But they control it because you can't access it. But like I said, when that shit came out, they said, the rumor has it that Steve Jobs built Apple after he took an LSD trip. He got the revelation that Bill Apple, like, there's so many people that have taken mind-altering drugs and shit that have created something different. But there's also people that have lost their mind. You know why they lost their mind, though? Because of what was already programmed into their creative side. You cannot be religious and go on a spiritual trip. You can't. You can't. Because everything you see is going to be negative. You're going to think you're seeing demons. You're going to think you're seeing all this shit. Because that's what's in your mind to create especially as black people, something that I learned, anything we don't understand, we call it the devil. How much in your creative space don't you understand? Creative, your creative space is shit that you have never, you don't know. You're supposed to be building it because that's where unknown shit happens. You feel me? But what do we do? We don't build unknown shit anymore. We sedate our creative side and we say, no, that's the devil. Oh no, that's the devil. Oh, no, that's the devil. Everything that a lot of shit that black people choose not to understand, they call it the devil. And shit don't even really be the devil. 
It should be some shit you don't understand. So when you don't understand something and your creativity is tied to negative shit, you make the worst situation out of everything. Very cynical motherfuckers. Cynical people are very creative too. They're just negatively creative and they can never see the good in anything. They can never see anything positive. They make a, they literally create the worst possible outcome every single time. And guess what happens? The worst possible outcome every single time. So people be like, yo, I don't like being around cynical people. Why do cynical people? And then you have that balance or that quandary where you have cynical people say my life just never goes great. You know, you're creating this, right? Your cynicism is an energy that controls your creativity and you're choosing to create negatively. So nothing goes right. Nothing goes right. You control this shit, but you got to control your soul first. But if you can, if something else controls how your soul is supposed to express itself, they control you for life and you'll never experience anything you're supposed to experience in this world. Your Kundalini energy is different. Your Kundalini energy is different, it's potent, it's powerful because your Kundalini energy is largely tied to and designed to the greatness that is you. That is what image and likeness you are created in. So stop bullshitting. Learn how to access and learn how to use your kundalini energy. Learn the importance of kundalini energy and learn how to truly reinvigorate the right side of your brain. Creativity isn't just art. Creativity isn't just like paintings and all of that shit. Creativity is to abstractly think about some concrete shit. Simple. It's simple. Where can you take something? You feel me? Dopest reality of creativity that I heard one time, Erica Badu was talking. She said that she was singing and motherfucker said, you hit the wrong note. She was like, nigga, how you know what note I was going to hit? <clears throat> Changes your reality, right? Creative motherfuckers have no limitations because they do what the fuck they want to do. And it's like, that may have been the note that I was trying to hit. Did it sound good for that song? No, maybe not. Did it feel good? No, maybe not. But that's what I was going for. This is why I like. I also seen another. I'm gonna try to wrap it up at this. Children, if you take a group of kindergartners and you ask who can sing, they all raise their hand. They have not conceptual They have not conceptualized good singing, bad singing, uh, riffs, runs. Who can hold a note? Who can't? They have not conceptualized that shit yet. That's why chorus class is just a whole bunch of motherfucking kids screaming. Like in the first, second, third grade and shit, them motherfuckers can't sing for shit, but they don't know that. They don't even give a fuck. They know that they can sing. Ask that same group of motherfuckers when they get to high school, you're going to see about three motherfuckers that can sing. And of, well, not three. I say you have a handful of, and then you have some of them like, you can't sing. You can't sing. Like you have motherfuckers that'll really fuck up your own reality because it's like, you know, you have the capacity to do whatever it is that you want to do. There's motherfuckers right now who have never been able to sing a day in their life, but they went to training, they they went to vocal coaches and learned how to sing. <laughs> Lil Wayne was the biggest example of the shit. <laughs> Nigga couldn't sing for shit, but he sung his ass off. Yeah, prostitute flame, motherfucking. Yeah, I can't believe it. it. Lil Wayne was singing his ass off. He was out there trying to sing his ass off. I wouldn't care if you wouldn't to. Key Sweat, that nigga can't sing. But nobody could tell him he couldn't. 
I'm sorry. You see sweat? Can't sing to me. I don't, y'all can kiss my ass. Y'all can kiss my motherfucking ass. I don't give a fuck. I wanna sing. Yeah. If he can sing, I can sing, goddamn. But that's the point that I'm making. When your creativity is gone, you're not you're not able to actually tap into the spiritual side to bring down what you're supposed to bring down. So when your kundalini is tapped in straight down at your root chakra and not allowed to ascend and move freely like it's supposed to, you'll never do what you're supposed to do with this world. It's crazy, yo. But it's real. It's fucking real. But that's all I got. I started off wanting this to be about kundalini, but by now I think the the title has probably already changed, but who the fuck cares? Who knows? Because I don't even remember what the original title was at this point anymore. But I know it's about kundalini and the importance of it. But learn how to master your kundalini energy. Your children, they kundalini energy be up. It be up, 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 up. Stop killing it. Stop keeping them stuck at the root chakra. Allow the energy to continue to manifest and move freely. But you got to cultivate and show them how to use it wisely. You feel me? Just because you don't understand it doesn't mean to shut them down and, you know what I'm saying, stop them. Because once their creativity dies, they die. Shit, you know when is the last time you've been creative. Motherfuckers are always saying, I don't feel fulfilled because you're not being creative. <laughs> it's that simple. I don't feel fulfilled. I'm not being creative. A lot of shit that I do entrepreneur-wise is to, it's, it's simultaneously being creative. I didn't realize how creative I was until I actually stepped like doing music is one thing, but like stepping in and looking at how, what I did with master in the market, that's a different level of creativity. I can see the market from any point. That shit gets scary sometimes. Cause you'd be like, damn bro. Like the fuck, but that it's my creativity, my creativity. I was able to connect with my creativity. That's how So Frail was written. Motherfuckers still tell me this day, I don't know where you got that information from. Nigga, I do. I got it from the source. But I had to go there to get it. I had to go there to get it. Which means I had to use the right side of my brain. I had to speed my physical up. I had to slow my spiritual down so the bridge can connect properly. So the message can come through freely. Then I had to give it out. But it was all in my creativity. And it was all in mastering my kundalini energy so I can shift it up unbiased and keep the balance right. Feel me? But that's all I got. Go kiss your babies. Make sure they eat their vegetables. And like I said, don't kill your kid's dream. Don't kill it. Don't kill their creativity. Because the moment you kill their creativity is the moment they die. And low key, I resent you forever because imagine killing their creativity and forcing them to please you. Mm, that's some crazy shit. A lot of us have been people pleasing and trying to be people pleasing. We wonder why we're so miserable when we have resentment because we were never able to please you with our own creative gift. If a motherfucker was proud of us for what we were created for, we'd love him more. We wouldn't be as, as like, don't let you, don't let that happen to you, babies. Don't kill their creativity and then demand that they please you with something that they're not creative with because their soul ain't in it and it can't be. And if nothing they do is good enough and they keep trying and trying, they're putting their soul into something for you when you don't even approve of it because you keep telling them like, 
Fuck up your babies, yo. Fuck up your babies. And you'll never realize it because you're basing it off of the creativity that you couldn't exhibit. You want your child to exhibit that creativity. No, you exhibit your own creativity and let them exhibit theirs because that's how they're connecting to the source. If they're not able to connect to the source, well, you know what happens. Well, go kiss your babies. Make sure they eat their vegetables. And I'm going to see y'all on the next one. Peace, love, knowledge, freedom. I'm out.